informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Pod Dog. As a country, we rely on service animals to help us in many different ways. They are an integral part of our lives and we owe them a great debt for their years of service. Once these animals retire, it is our responsibility to make sure they receive the best possible medical treatment and care. And that's why I'm so grateful for organisations like the National Foundation for Retired Service Animals. They help provide service animals with the care they need and deserve. Today we are speaking with Countess Bathurst, Chair of the National Foundation of Retired Service Animals and with LWDG Society member, but also Management Committee member and Show and Events Coordinator, Tracy Weisoska, about the retired service animals and why they deserve the best medical treatment. So hello ladies, how are you today? We're really well, thank you so much for inviting us on. Hi Jo. So if we start with, if I speak um, first about what inspired you to start the National Foundation for Retired Service Animals? Well, Joe, um, I've always been a dog and animal lover. Um, and six years ago, I was very privileged to be High Sheriff for Gloucestershire. And that was the year where the High Sheriff, just for your listeners who are abroad, it's a position which is um, a, a year in office. You're asked to do it, and you are, as I was then, the Queen's representative for all things judicial within the county. And so it's not it's not something you get voted into. It's something you get asked to do. And it's a huge honour to be able to do it because you get access to all kinds of things. But I very much concentrated on the work that the police do because I feel that they are uh, considerably under uh, uh, and under review, as it were, by the general public on a daily basis. And they're very easily attacked because they can't answer back. And so I was really interested in getting to know what they did and getting to know their jobs and supporting them and letting them know that they were really appreciated. Um, but in that time, obviously, being a dog lover, I was straight into the dog section. And it was then that I found out that when police dogs retire, they don't get a pension. and so during their careers everything is paid for so food kenneling toys even because they use toys for training it's all positive reinforcement which i know would be really important to your ladies and uh, uh and and food yes vet, veterinary bills me- medicine everything everything is paid for the day that they retire that stops so in the morning pd rocco will go in for his last day at work and he's a police dog so does all his police dog work throughout that shift. At five o'clock in the afternoon, the day that he finishes work, he goes home as Rocco the pet. And what happens is, is that the handler, if they want to keep their dogs, and my goodness, they do want to keep them, because imagine eating, sleeping, living. I mean, you see, they'll see more of their dog than they will their other half. Um, <clears throat> for eight or nine years, you've been through thick and thin together. It's probably saved your life on more than one occasion. 
And all of a sudden you're faced at the end of that career with a decision, do I keep my dog or do I hand it on to a new home? Well, if I was a police dog handler, I know in which camp I would be because not only do I love that dog, but it's also growing up with my kids. You know, so when BD Rocco may have been at three o'clock in the afternoon, could have been chasing a suspected burglar down the street. By 7.30, he's home with the kids curled up on the sofa watching Coronation Street. So they're very much a member of the family when they're off duty. So to have to make that decision to part with your dog is heartbreaking. But sometimes that has to happen because, and this is why, when police dogs retire and become civilians, civilians, they become pets, it's, it's pretty much impossible to get insurance for them. We all insure our dogs. My five dogs, they all have insurance. I'm sure all your ladies have their dogs insured. Retired service dogs are uninsurable, not only because of their age, but also because of the work that they've done. No insurance company really wants to touch a dog that's trained to bite people. Um, it's just, they just don't want to take the risk. And so they're faced with a, well, they're faced with a decision. Do I keep my dog, my family member, my partner, my pal, my protector, or and face and possibly face some quite high vet bills as the dog gets older? We all know what happens when dogs get older. Or do I or am I forced to rehome it? I've got three kids, I've got a mortgage. We all know that vet bills can get pretty sparky. They have to make that decision as to whether they're going to take that risk. What we do is to say, you don't even have to think about making that decision. Keep your pal, keep your partner, keep your kid's best friend. When the vet's bills come in, that's where we can help. When I heard about the work you do, the first thing I thought about was many years ago when my dad was still alive, we bred a litter and one of those is currently serving in police force in London. Oh, fun. And as soon as you told me about it, Tracy, I literally texted the gentleman and I was like, if at any point you don't want her anymore or you can't take on her care, please let me know. I will help you. Because it's not just the people who love them, the people who bred them, the people who've been anywhere involved in that dog or that horse's life. Mm. We feel connected to them, don't we? We feel a need to look after them until the very end. When I heard what you did, I just thought of all the people's lives these dogs or horses have impacted. I thought, mm. how do we not know there's this gap of provision for them? The reason that people don't realise is because they naturally assume that constabularies are going to carry on looking after a dog once it's retired. Now, at this point, I should say some constabularies are very supportive and like in Gloucestershire, and I'm incredibly proud of Gloucestershire because they signed up to the Service Animal Welfare Act, which basically means that they will, to the best of their ability, carry on looking after their retired service animals. Now, how they support them is, is that they pay for their annual inoculations, which is, you know, a huge help. And that's wonderful. And also police forces, if a dog is retired because of an underlying medical condition, that, uh, that it, it's, it's been paid for before it's retired. So it's needed medicines before it retired and then it retired because of it. Most forces, not all, but most forces will continue paying for that treatment for the rest of the dog's life. However, there is this massive gap um, where police dogs retire because of age and they don't get help. Now, I must, must mention um, that there are 17 at the moment retired police dog charities in the country where they all help their local counties. 17 
uh, re local retired police or charities, they cover 28 of the constabularies, but there are 43 constabularies. So I'm sure anybody can do the maths. There's still a big gap there. But there is absolutely nothing for prison, nothing for fire, except for a couple of the local police dog charities who support their fire dogs and nothing for border force. So we still have a huge sector that we have to help. And there's a lot of police dogs out there. I did a sort of a back of fag packet calculation. Um, and I think that there's probably about between seven to 800 uncovered uh, retired police dogs out there, um, 900 prison dogs, 45 border force, and probably about 20 because the fire service um, sector is very small because they travel all over the country where they're needed. Um, so, you know, there are, there are still a lot of dogs out there that we're looking after. And of course, there's nothing at all for retired police horses. So we help them too. But also with retired police horses, most retired police horses, if they've done over four years service, they go to the Horses Trust, which is wonderful if they have room. If they've done less than four years service, they tend to go into private hands. And those are the ones that we would help. Um, and we help with, you know, medical conditions. Obviously, we're not going to help if they cut their knee out in the field because, you know, I'm sure that their owners can take care of that. But if there are serious medical problems inside the body, that's where we will step in. Listening to what is already available, but what is also mm. lacking, is it the main role of your organisation now to sort of fill the gaps where it isn't provision and then support the provision where it does exist? Exactly, because we are a huge fans of the local retired police dog charities. So say, take, for instance, Pension for Paws, which cover Hampshire, Isle of Wight, um, and that area around there. They are an amazing charity. They do a lot of wonderful work, but it is just police dogs. And um, they also cover fire dogs in Hampshire. Sorry, I'll get my wrist slap, slap for that. Um, but but this, the Isle of Wight prison, for instance, um, and other prison facilities, they don't help them in that area. So that's where that's where we help. But we also, I mean, you know, I, mean, I, I, I really do believe that it's important to work together in the sector and not to have, a territorial attitude you know we're a national charity um, and that's great but we'll always support our friends and I think that that's you know very important to do that you know it's not a you know it's not it's not a sort of holding our cards to our chest and um and not wanting to talk to anybody we're very open and if they ever needed our help or support we would be you know we would do all we could to to make that happen and that's fantastic to hear because I we very much believe within the LWDG about collaboration not competition it's one of our mm. sort of ethoses and it's nice to hear that sort of being uh, demonstrated by, by your national charity because like you said when people have been or charities have been set up for quite a while maybe locally yeah it can be this sort of feeling of well well we're already doing that so you're yeah. here to just say look we're just here to back you up if you need it and places yeah. where there isn't anything we can really help yes well I've already I've already signed for somebody rang up and said I'd like to make a donation um, and I asked where she was from and she had a local retired police dog charity. And I said, look, you know, if you want to send us the donation for all the service dogs, that's fine. But please be aware you have a local retired police dog charity um, with, that help your local retired police dogs. And she said, I'll tell you what, I, do, I want to help prison dogs too. So I'll, I'll send half and half. And so she sent some to us and she sent some to them, which I thought was a really important thing to do. Um, and, um, and, you know, and I, we, we talk with the Association of Retired Police Dogs all the time and just stay in touch. And, um, and I just, yeah, I just think it's incredibly important because, I, you know, better together, you're much stronger together, you can, uh, you can achieve so much more together. And also, you know, have swap ideas and, 
you know, while we're doing this and, you know, it's, it, I don't you think, Tracy, it's really important. Yeah. And actually, Joe, you made a really good point. Actually, it's something I hadn't thought about until you mentioned it. And I'd forgotten that one of your dad's litters, one of their puppies was now serving with the Met, isn't mm. it? I think. Yeah. Um, when What's... we were at Thames Valley Police for the day, we were fortunate to be introduced to some puppy walkers. So these are people who, um, when there's a litter of puppies born, um, at the end of at eight weeks, um, they go to volunteers who are called puppy walkers uh, and they stay with them for about a year. And their job, a bit like the guide dogs, their job is to um, socialize them, um, get them used to going to lots and mm -hmm. lots of different places, um, you know, all the stuff that, that we do with our own dogs. And then the dogs go through assessments. And if at the end of all those assessments there, they, uh, you know, they pass, they're then taken on with the with the local force but this lady dawn that we met she's lovely she's on her sixth dog as a puppy walker volunteer and um we were watching a display by one of her previous dogs uh, he's now two and a half years old and um she was absolutely over you know overwhelmed to see him and he definitely still knew who her and her husband were because before he did his incredible impressive display he was having cuddles with her over in the corner of the field and it was mm. lovely and I thought you know I hadn't thought of perhaps uh, outside of the current handler who else may have been involved in that dog's life so thank you for raising that and I, and and the other thing is that the Gloucestershire Constabulary told us recently as well that the majority of their sniffer dogs their search dogs come from um, rescue centres so you know RSPCA and what have you yeah and so even if people aren't supporting NFRSA directly, if they're supporting their local um, RSPCA centre, then somewhere along the line, that dog may well have needed food and accommodation through that charity as well before they went on to have their second, second shot at life, so to speak. The bond between a handler and, and their dog is, is, I mean, it's extraordinary to see. You know, the guys that are local... Um, police dog handlers they train up here in the park and I go up and watch them and it's I mean it's just a joy to watch to see how they are absolute especially the German Shepherds and the Malinois they're absolutely fixated on their owner um and and, and watching their every move waiting for the next command but it's not this is not something that's done in a negative way they their training is so positive that they just they just literally adore them I mean there is there is, there is no way to describe it. There's, um, there's a firearms dog in Gloucestershire. Um, she's called Lola. And she's absolutely mental. I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't go anywhere near her. She's a beautiful Malinois, <clears throat> um, but she is absolutely fixated on her owner. She's an ex-army dog, and apparently she's, quote, unquote, calmed down. Um, ha ha. Um, and, um, but she's an extraordinary dog and her strength, you know, when she, when she goes into attack, you know, she, she'll take a grown man off his feet, but she absolutely is devoted to her, her owner. And I said to her, uh, her handler, um, I said, what's going to happen to Lola when she retires? And he said, oh, she'll stay at home. Well, she'll stay at home with us. I said, the missus is delighted. I was like, wow, yours is going to be the safest street in Gloucestershire. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about that and ingest yourself, right? If you <clears throat> Or a dog that does a job like that and then you come to this point where you have to decide whether to keep it or not you wouldn't want that dog going into the wrong hands that's a very good point joe um and uh when they rehome police dogs they uh they go to people who are very clued up 
about the work that they've done, very clued up about what they are capable of doing. Um, they will quite often go to somewhere with a lot of land. Um, I know a police dog who went to a farm and, and, and had the absolute life of variety. In fact, it was um, lovely um, retired police dog, Kenny, um, who very sadly was our, the, the first, our first grant and it was an unhappy ending. Um, Kenny um, went to the vet and uh, uh, it turned out that he had a burst tumour on his lung and had to be put to sleep. But, you know, even when they went to the vets to um, go and make do, do that final act, he, he, you know, he walked over to them, tail wagging and happy to see them. But he was on a farm and he had absolutely the best life, but they were absolutely devastated when he died. And they came to us for help and we paid for his last vet bill and con contributed to his cremation. And we were, you know, really privileged to do that. And we were, we were sad that our first grant was, and you know, not a happy ending, but just, it's such a lovely thing to be there for the, for the owners and for the handlers, because, you know, it is a, a devastating time when you lose a dog and it's a very frightening time when you have a sick dog. And, you know, we had RPD Keeler, mm -hmm. a retired dog from Kent, um, and she had to have emergency surgery at night because she had a stomach torsion. All your, um, all your ladies will know exactly what that is and how serious it is. And in a German Shepherd, it's really life-threatening. Um, and she had to rush her to hospital. And the vet said, you know, this is going to be expensive. She said, I don't care what it costs. I'll remortgage my house if I have to. This just shows the bond. Um, and she came to us and we, you know, we found out the vet and said, you know, £6,000 is rather a lot of money. We're a charity. Would you consider reducing it? And they very kindly did. They took 20% off. But we paid that entire bill. And we were absolutely thrilled to do it. And Sam, who's Keela's owner, but also was, was her handler, was just incredibly grateful. And she sent us this lovely video afterwards, yeah. didn't she, yeah. of Keela, and to say thank you. And she just said, I, I will now do anything for you guys. You saved my dog. You know, you've, you've helped me save my dog. And... You know, it's uh, it was just really moving, and um... so we'll talk a little bit about how our members can can help the charity in a moment. But before we go uh, along, the main goals of the organisation obviously is to provide this support for people who've got these retired service dogs and they need help with mm -hmm. care, which yeah. is always incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. Is it part of the work to maybe start looking at strategically changing the government's? plans with these animals you know is there a plan to maybe say well look maybe you should continue their care joe it's an that is an excellent question and i'm really glad you asked me it so because of our society today the reason that these dogs are not supported in their retirement is because the funding is just simply not there police crime commissioners have a budget and they also have to answer to their taxpayers and their voters. And unfortunately, in these austere times, it is very difficult for a police crime commissioner to justify a £6,000 bill on an animal that is no longer serving its community. As far as changing legislation is concerned, it would take years and it would have to be enshrined in law. We've looked into this and we have realized that not only would it take years, it would be very easy to undo. So with these wonderful retired police dog charities who have been there for years, ourselves, we've been around for gosh, 
well, we're seven months old now, so we're very old. <laughs> um, um, we we could go to Parliament. We could uh, campaign to have the uh, to have the rules changed. We could campaign to say to government, "Will you look after these retired dogs?" And they could say, "Absolutely, let's look after these retired dogs. We should be. We will now." Uh, advise that all retired dogs should be taken care of. So we all go home, we hang up our boots, all the local retired police dog charities close down and we say, yay, our job here is done. And we send all the rest of our money to, I don't know, the dog's trust or something. Next government comes in. Oh, sorry, no, can't afford that. We're taking it away. And all of a sudden we will be right back at square one. So, yes, we would love to get it. It would have to be enshrined in law. And to get that changed would literally probably take anything up to 10 years. And when you're talking about consecutive governments, you're right back at square one again. So should Labour win next time or should another government win? You go to them, you talk, oh, yeah, no, really good idea. Yeah, no, we really like that. Yeah, let's work on that. Three years down the line, four years down the line, Conservatives get back in, Green Party gets in, whoever gets in. Oh, no, 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 we're sorry. No, we can't do that. We can't possibly afford it. So it's just better to be there. Just get on with the job. Take care of our wonderful retired dogs and leave the government to do their government thing. <laughs> Whatever that is. I, I worked for a very short while, um, a couple of years, for local council. And I totally agree with you because... We had meetings to discuss meetings to discuss meetings. And Correct. <laughs> I'm very much a person of action. And yeah. it, it literally drove me mad. So I think you're absolutely right. Just get on with the action. Make sure that we've got the funds available, that we don't need them to step in. <laughs> correct. Absolutely correct. And it's, you know, and, and, I, and I think also, you know, it's, and, and also that sort of thing is time consuming. You know, I mean, I will, you know, I always admire what uh, David Wardell did with Finn, because he changed Finn, he, he, he got Finn's law through. I will always admire him for that, because uh, Finn's, Finn's law basically changed legislation and, and enshrined in law that police dogs are no longer treated as pieces of property. They are treated as a police officer. So if you stick a knife in a police dog, you may as well stick so stuck it in the police officer. And I think that's incredibly important what he did there. Fantastic. Mm. I totally agree with you on that one. I get, as you're talking about it, I get goosebumps because I'm sure anybody listening to this will agree. Even in the most frustrating days of training our working dogs, we still adore them. It's, yep. They are our world. We, <clears throat> we treat them. And very much so now, as, as generations go past, the, the dog has become more a part of the family. You know, they don't all live in kennels, 100 kennels strong. They live in the house. They have names. They are very much part of us. So anything happening to them is, is hysterically worrying for us. And then mm. the people with the police dogs, they, like you said, they've got exactly the same feelings towards their dogs. Yeah. Um, with regards to the work that you do, you're a very young charity, seven months. What is your sort of goals like going forward? How much money do you want to make? Do you have things that are important mm. like our members to know about? Well, I mean, we've got <clears throat> we I've I mean I, obviously I mean I'm 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 a great blue sky thinker. And um, you know, when I say I've had an idea, people usually start to climb under pieces of furniture to get away from me. 
Um, Tracy's nodding violently. It's like, oh, I've had an idea. They're like, oh no, she's had an idea. Um, my pen out. But, yeah. um, but one of my dreams is because there's one thing at the moment that none of the charities do. And I was talking last night to our grants panel, which has two fantastic vets on. We've got two local vets who look at every grant application and really scrutinize them. They're amazing. They're completely committed to us. And um, they, you know, and I, one of the things at the moment, um, some, some constabularies do it, but not very many, but none of these retired dogs have their inoculations paid for, their annual boosters. And we all know how incredibly important those are. My lovely, lovely blue sky thinking dream is to be able to start off a fund. And I want to call it Keeler's Fund because she was our first big, our, our first big grant. Um, and what I'd love to do is to raise enough money so that we can pay for every single retired service dog in this country and horse to have their inoculations. That's a serious amount of money. There's probably about, I would say, I'm going to say again, you know, slight blue sky calculations, but I'd say there's probably about three and a half thousand uh, retired dogs in the country. And what I'd love to do is to be able to go to the manufacturer of the inoculations and say, will you give it to us as cost? And then what we can do is we can then arrange for the local retired police dog charities to administer their area because, again, we don't want to encroach and we don't want to go in and start taking over. So we would say, you know, there's the money, do it. Um, and then we cover all the other retired retired police, fire, prison and border force dogs as well for their inoculations. And that would just be an amazing thing to be able to do. And We would have a separate fund for that. What your ladies can do is to go out there and fundraise, have a coffee morning, go on a lovely sponsored walk with all your mates. Um, Bike from bike from John O'Groats to Land's End, which is what I'm going to do next year. Who Kidding. Crazy enough to do that. I know. Oh, that's one of my other crazy ideas. I'm going. I've got. I, okay, fine. It's a Porsche electric bike. So sue me. I'm going to be 58. Um, but but I'm but I'm biking from John O'Groats to Land's End next year, um, which will be huge fun and hopefully raise awareness and maybe raise a few pennies as well. Um, but but I just go out there and have a fundraiser. Have a have a cake sale. I don't know, don't send Christmas cards this year and instead send us the money, which is what a couple of people have done. Um, we've, we've got the, our, our website, Joe, is, it's very, very easy. It's nfrsa.org.uk. So that's nfrsa.org.uk. Have a look on there. There's a fundraising page, gives loads of ideas that you can go off and do something fun. Um, you know, if anybody's going to hurl themselves out of an aeroplane, please don't forget to put on a parachute. Um, <laughs> you know, any of those sort of lovely fundraising ideas that people do, we would be so, so grateful. Um, we've got a fundraising page and obviously, you know, we'll, we'll then put mad photographs of all what the ladies have been up to. And I mean, I don't know, there's so many things that you can do. I mean, have a quiz night, go to the pub and have a quiz night or um you know anything at all but fundraise for us that's what we I would love 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 your ladies to do and I'd be so grateful but also Tracy would be grateful too um but I it's more importantly more 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 importantly the dogs will be grateful and that's who we're helping it's not about us it's about the dogs and the horses we will definitely um 
after this podcast I'm sure Tracy I'm going to rope you in here live <laughs> on the podcast but we would look at something that we can do um as an organization and we'll promote that and find something we did something a couple of years ago where we did like um a charity walk but each person did it in their own area and we had like a, a, a funding for spaniel aid i'm sure we can do something similar for yourselves and we'd love to do it i know the ladies listening to this or even this this gentleman who listens to this as well all over the all over the world all across the uk that we'll put on something and we'll put it up publicly so everybody can get involved and tracy you don't mind me making you in charge of that do you no, no, there's a lot to learn to say no. As I mentioned on the previous podcast, um, as we grow as well and we attend more events, because all of us are here in Gloucestershire, the majority of us, what we will look, be looking for in the future, or in fact, we're already starting the process now, is to look for regional volunteers. Um, so Crufts isn't too far away and nor is it hugely you know it is not too far away from us um logistically it's only you know Birmingham's what about an hour and 20 minutes or something but there are there are events in Norfolk um Scotland Kent Wiltshire well that's not well, too far for us yeah no but it's, it's still uh, and if you're working dog ladies in Wiltshire we're having a lovely open garden party at Font, the oh, Font Hill Estate yeah. um on June the 11th so we'd love help there but it's um but yes it is it's it's regional help but also the other thing is, um, Joe, would be absolutely wonderful is if anybody feels um, impassioned enough, like we do, that are <laughs> wonderful retired service dogs. We do want to start off some satellite committees, fundraising committees. So any of your lovely ladies would like to get together with um, a group of their you know, work, working dog mates um, and start a fundraising committee in an area, so Wiltshire or Scotland or Cumbria, Cumbria or any of the places Wales that, Wales definitely <laughs> Wales definitely um, Wales um, we would we would be really grateful because it means that they're working within their communities not only that they're spreading the word um, and that would be just absolutely wonderful and they'll be part of our family then they'll be part of our family but also maybe just look and see if there's a local retired police dog charity in your area and then you know just do it for the prison fire and border force you know, we have to be very sensitive about those guys what I'll do is in the show notes, we'll get a list of you guys after this, is um, I'll put a list of the, the charities you're already aware of. On our website, Joe, there is actually a list of, uh, you can go to our website because we've got a, a link that says our colleagues and it's got a map of England and it's got all the local retired police dog charities on there. Brilliant. Fantastic. We'll definitely link to that and that's absolutely fantastic. Um, do curiosity because we're talking about like loads and loads of really good stuff that you guys are doing but what's been your biggest challenge so far in running the nfrsa <laughs> um gosh that's a really good question uh what's been our challenge I, for me personally it's been a really steep learning curve you know it has been a learning curve i mean you know when i when i had this idea six years ago you know, I thought start off a charity, but oh, um, you know, it's 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 a big job. I mean, we we've got charitable status now, which is wonderful. And one of our one of our colleagues, our management committee, Jane Muller, worked extraordinarily hard on that because I'm no good at paperwork. I I sort of tend to fall asleep and think it's all rather dull. Um, and so Jane has been absolutely brilliant in doing the administration of that. Um, but I think the biggest challenge for us so far. <laughs> 
I mean, we're, we're incredibly lucky, Joe, because everybody that we have spoken to has said, why hasn't this been done before? And what a wonderful thing, you know, because it's raising money for not just animals, but these extraordinary animals who have given so much to their communities in so many different ways. It's not just the police, it's the fire um, seeking out arson. We say, fire dogs save us thousands, thousands and thousands of pounds every year, because when you have a fire, if the arson has been suspected, you can send in a fire dog and within minutes it will find the source of the fire. Now that could take days or weeks with us humans because you'd have to take samples from here, samples from there, samples from there, send them off to the lab, get them back again. But fire dogs go, no, started here. <laughs> and, um, and that's, I mean, that's tens of thousands of pounds and endless man hours saved. And, 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 and prison dogs, I mean, prison dogs, I, I went down to HMP Rochester last, a couple of weeks ago, and it's not just the security in the prison, it's not just the tornado dogs, which are in our calendar, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy a calendar, they can do. Oh yes, I'd love all your uh, ladies to buy things in our shop. We have some very nice candles we've just introduced. <laughs> um, the, um, I went down to H HMP Rochester a couple of weeks ago and the sniffer dogs, um, are, do this extraordinary thing is, is if they find the drugs, they find mobile phones half the size of a box of matches. They find um, explosive components, they find cash, they find, there's a, there's a drug in, in prison called Spice and it's horrible, horrible stuff. And how they get it into prisons is that they spray it onto an A4 sheet of paper, they then write the Dear Fred, hope you're having a nice time in prison. We miss you. Lots of love, Mum. Put it into an envelope and send it into the prison. And that A4 sheet of paper in prison is worth a thousand pounds because they all want to have this spice because it just gets them through the day. And so what they do is these, these I saw watch this wonderful spaniel, and they put the mail in buckets. So one letter, one letter, one letter, one letter. And the spaniel goes and sniffs every single one, and they will find the drugs. And, I, and I, I actually watched as they found a, a seemingly innocuous letter and it was covered in spice. That's fascinating, isn't it? Because I'm always um, amazed. <clears throat> I, I interviewed a lady the other day for her dog is a cadaver dog and it can find, and um, this is a bit, bit gory, but it can find bodies underwater. And I was like, how on earth can it even know it's there? their ability to do these things to be able to Amazing. indicate on things that we cannot see cannot know about mm. we, we are we are a huge debt but if you think about even our whole history of working with dogs our mm. dogs going back to a long long time ago when man realized the dog would hunt with it they've served us they've always served us yes they Absolutely. have i mean yeah. look, and look at the border force you know again very small section but the things that they find are i mean the things that they stop getting into our shores which you know in the end keep you and i and all the ladies in the working dog group safe um and uh, you know drugs and cash and explosives firearms even human trafficking i mean they are they do extraordinary work it is fascinating i mean obviously you know you can tell that we're both quite passionate about it but it really is fascinating and the, and the service that they do to us as a community, you know, it might not directly be me, it might not directly be you or Tracy, but just in the bigger scheme of things, they just keep us safe. And our mantra 
is to protect our protectors. They have protected us throughout their working lives. I absolutely believe, Tracy, absolutely, every, everybody on our committee and our trustees and all of our volunteers, and, and I'm sure your ladies will too, but I absolutely passionately believe that they have looked after us all their working lives, and it is just our duty to make sure that their retirement and their twilight years are lived out in comfort, happiness, and above all, good health. I think that's really important because like any charity, the difficult part of being, the difficult thing about being part of any charity is raising people's awareness, particularly people who are yet to be touched by that illness, mm. or like if it's a cancer <clears throat> charity or Alzheimer's or, um, or anything like that. You know, the, the main people who support those charities are people who have been, you know, affected by that. And I think a lot of our, our work at the moment, as you said, we're only seven months old, is still very much about these sort of things, getting the message out there that you can actually then see people stepping back and going, God, I had no idea. Mm. And now that I'm thinking about that, I wonder how many times I've stepped on a plane and I have reached my destination thanks to a sniffer dog at the airport. Yeah that checked that all the luggage that's in the cargo of my plane before I go and sun myself and drink pina coladas, um, oh, I just remember that for a moment, yeah. um, <laughs> is, is saying, you know, you know I, I'm safe. And, and probably the massive part of that will have been down to <clears throat> a dog. Yes. And we don't stop and think about it. Yes. Because we're not, unless it's right there in our faces. And yeah. so as a new charity, of course, we need to raise huge amounts of money but at these early stages as well, it's very much about raising people's awareness mm. so that they start to open their thinking going, God, I bet my life is, is, has been affected positively by, you know, a, a, One of a sniffer dog or yeah. um, a police dog in some way. Yeah, there it is. It's, it, and, and, and their reach is, you know, it's absolutely huge. And, you know, I, I mean, I've several times people have said to me Pris dogs is that a thing yeah. yes it is there's over 900 of them serving in this country but they're just quietly getting on with keeping us safe you know and and that's in a roundabout way and say the fire dogs they're keeping us safe the police dogs police horses keeping us safe border force dogs keeping us safe so we should also be keeping them safe and you know and i don't get cross about the fact you know, people sort of get very, you know, they should be looked and they get very indignant and they indignant about them not being looked after in their retirement. I absolutely get that these mm -hmm. uh, that these budgets for PCCs are very difficult for fire for chief fire officers and and, and governors of prisons and, and our board force, our home office. I absolutely get that, that in these austere times, you know, budgets are very difficult to manage. And. You know, and I just think well, the work that we're doing is wonderful and, and people are being so kind and, and enthusiastic and, and that, you know, sort of drives up our passion, doesn't it? Because we know that we're doing the right thing. Yeah. And, and it's just lovely to be able to talk to you and to be able to share with you and your, your, your lovely listeners that, you know, this, this, there really is a need and we're just encouraging everybody to get involved and, you know, our website's there, so please contact us and there's a lovely shop, it's gorgeous candles on there i'm having to, i'm having to fight not to burn them myself but um <laughs> stop with the candles stop with the candles um jack well now funny there's a lovely, lovely story about that i mean I, I probably shouldn't be boasting about them because i helped design them but um we have some lovely um we have some lovely ambassadors 
And two of them are Lawrence and Jackie Llewellyn Bowen, lovely Lawrence, who we all know. And Jackie makes gorgeous candles. And so she said, and she said, why don't we design some candles for the NFRSA? And I went, oh, that's a good idea. Can I help? So I went over to her house and we had a lovely morning sniffing oils. And um, so that, that sounds like we're doing drugs, doesn't it? Um, it was, we had a, we had a lovely morning um, sniffing oils and we designed, we absolutely uniquely and hand designed two candles. Um, and they are really lovely. I'm very happy with them. So, so yes, you can go, get, on, get online and order some of those. So once this podcast goes out, you'll see a visible spike in the candles. Yes. <laughs> But as well, Jackie, she better make some more. <laughs> well, thank you very much for spending your time this morning going through this with us. I think the work you do is critical. You are taking what is unseen service, making it visible to us all, and helping us to see that there are simple ways, simple things that we can do that can ensure these dogs who served us all their lives in the shadows are looked after once they need it from us. If people want to get involved, obviously they've got the, the the website, they can buy things from the shop, they can get involved as ambassadors, look at regional committees. There really is loads of ways our listeners can get really grassroots level involved with this charity, isn't it? There is. I mean, there's, there, as you say, visit the website, just have a really good look around the website. There's, um, there's, a, there's a video on YouTube. If you just search NFRSA on YouTube, it's a 17 minute video. So pour a large glass of wine and sit back and and watch it and I dare you not to cry um, and there's a very handsome prison officer on there called Mark he's actually in our calendar he's our March pinup and our September pinup we loved him so much he appears in our calendar twice um, but we sorry it's just so it's just so naughty isn't it oh well don't care um, and, uh, and so if, if your ladies visit the website go to the shop and buy stuff we've got some gorgeous beanies we've got um hoodies we've got fleeces so really useful stuff dog towels so really important stuff for when you uh for for all your um ladies who who run dogs and work with dogs and uh and, and supporters but also have an event you know they can raise some money um and you know but the other thing is is that you know we've got loads of leaflets so if anybody wants any leaflets that they can put in a shop or and if anybody's got any you know dog business or any business at all and they'd like some leaflets do send us an email info at nfrsa.org.uk loads of ways you can help and we would absolutely adore you all to to get involved and be very very grateful i'm sure all our listeners will want to get involved um it's something that's become very dear to my heart already through um mm through you guys talking to me about it i think it's, it's something we can all do that genuinely genuinely makes a lovely lovely difference mm. like i said thank you very much for talking to us we will definitely be doing things with you in the future um if you've been listening and you have been touched by the conversations we've had please please go visit the website and start your journey with this charity from there i hope you've all enjoyed listening to rwdg pod dog this week and we wish you all a fantastic week and hope to see you all next friday thank you for listening to lwdg pod dog with me joe parrot now we all know training a dog takes time energy and patience but our lives can be really really busy don't worry the lwdg has got you covered join us for our free planning workshop where we will show you how to use short 10 minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot
Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post, or visit www.thelwdg.com.